0: I would like you to grab a pen. Okay, grab a pen. You're, you've got homework tonight, guys. woohoo, All right, homework. You thought 12th grade was it or college? Nope, you got homework. We're going to have you fill this sheet of paper out in just a moment. Um, so grab your pen and get ready to write. Okay, so we've got a new year coming up, 2023. Didn't 2022 just begin, guys? I mean... Where did the year go? I mean, it's fast, like lightning fast. But I'm looking forward to this coming year. I believe that God has really good things in store for us. And I don't mean just for us as a church corporately. We obviously, as, as a church, we're setting aside this month for interspersed fasting and praying. And uh, I'm gonna, during this month, I'm going to kind of walk you through what that's supposed to or what that can look like. Um, I, I'm not going to encourage you to go on a 30-day water-only fast unless the, the Lord directs you to do that, and maybe the doctor, but the, the truth is God is going to call us to something of this nature of fasting and prayer because the year 2023, I believe, is a year in which God wants to do really good things in your life. And, and before I get into the message, can I ask you, do you even believe that? Do you even believe that God truly wants to do something very good in your life? And, and, and just, I, I, wanna, I want you, by an act of faith, I want you to raise your hand. Do you believe that God has something good for you in store this coming year? And if you do, I want you to just raise your hand. And Great, you can put them down now. Some of us, you're going to just keep your hand raised throughout the whole sermon. I'm fine with that. Because tonight, we want to ask this question. What does it even mean to seek the Lord? What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? Because that's what we're going to be doing this whole month, waiting upon the Lord, seeking God. What does that mean? What does it look like? How do we do it? So the first thing I want you to do is look at this sheet of paper. It says 2023 in perspective. And so what I want you to do is I want you to write down what are two to three things that you believe God is wanting you to do this coming year to do action oriented two to three different things that you believe God wants you to do this coming year does everybody have if you don't have a piece of paper raise your hand if you need a pen raise your hand we're good okay so you are going to be writing some of these things down right now and kind of during the course of the sermon. But don't get distracted, all right? I want you to really pay attention. I believe God wants to speak to your heart tonight. So with one ear, this is why God gave us two ears. Women do this great. They listen with one ear, okay? And with the other ear, they're listening inside, okay? And inside is where God's going to speak to you to write some of these things. What do you? What two three things do you believe God wants you to do this year? What are two to three things, in addition to the above, that you are praying for this coming year two to three things that you could have a laundry you could have 50 things that's why the back is blank actually the back is blank for you to take notes but you might use it to write some of those prayer requests that's fine but two to three things in addition to the things above that you're going to be praying for. you believe the lord really wants you to pray for okay And, and 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 as important as your uncle's big toe that's hurting him is I want you to think beyond that. Something, you know, something that's big. Something that, wow, God, and God can heal your uncle's big toe. I'm, I'm, you know what I'm saying. But something big, really, be, just say, God, what big thing can I be praying for? And it may have nothing to do with you. That's fine. The next thing, what are two to three things that you can do this coming year to wait upon the Lord? To wait upon the Lord. Now, don't fill anything out there yet. Because during this coming, several coming... During the next several coming weeks, I want you to just hear what the Word of God has to say about what it even means to wait upon the Lord. You know, I remember many years ago, Meredith and I set January aside for fasting and praying, but I mean, this was like 15 plus years ago. And we believed the Lord wanted us to pray that the business would expand. It had been struggling and sputtering. It had been really having a difficult difficulties, and we were just praying that God would open up the door to several more accounts. So we prayed and we fasted. We didn't fast the entire time. There were some things that we fasted, but it came in spurts. There were some, like, three days or a weekend or maybe even a week or just a day or a meal in which it was just water or just juice or something like this. The others, that the, the generally the way I do it is there is, throughout the month, there's something that I give up. Back in the day, it was Mountain Dew, and that was a really huge sacrifice for me. Um, maybe for you, it's ice cream. It's been that for me. Uh, but ju- ju- one thing that you can just give up, or a couple of things, and then just, a- as God leads you throughout the month, maybe small sections—a day, or a couple of days, or a week—even. But you know, just maybe it's just giving up lunch, or maybe it's just a complete fast of just on water or juice for those days. But it's something that we surrender to the Lord, and when you wake up in the morning, you're thinking about how hungry you are, but you focus on God, and it forces you to press into him because in normal life, the world calls to us, and fasting sets us up where hunger calls to us, and we learn to say no. And we learn to say no in God's grace. And and this is something that as we surrender to him and we say no to our personal desires, that we are moving and pressing in to the Lord. Okay? And so that's what we did. And at the end of the sermon, I'm going to tell you what God did. There was another time in which this is even longer ago. It was probably 25 years ago in which I had my own lawn business and it was, in a situa- it was in a position where it needed, I needed at least another major account or two for us to be paying our bills each month. And so our church set aside three days for fasting and prayer. It wasn't legalistic. Meredith and I took that to heart. We said, this is how we're going to do it. And we fasted and we prayed. And I'm going to just tell you, in those three days, nothing happened. The only thing that happened was that Meredith and I prayed and fasted. But I'm going to talk about that at the end of the message, too. What does it mean to wait Upon the Lord. It's a common expression. It's even in our text today. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. So turn with me to Isaiah forty. What does it mean to wait upon the Lord? Many times people think waiting upon the Lord is very passive. It's where you don't do anything. You don't move forward. You just wait and you listen. Now I'm not gonna say that God doesn't necessarily call us to do that. That's not necessarily what it means to wait upon the Lord. Waiting upon the Lord can be very active. Does that throw a curveball at you? If it does, you're going to need to listen over the next couple of weeks. As we talk about how do we wait upon the upon the Lord. Some of you have some really urgent prayer needs and goals for 2023, and you need to bathe those in prayer. You need to learn to wait upon the Lord and what that's even going to look like. Okay. How do we do that in this year? How does God lead us? How's God going to lead you in what you're going to, that first question, what are two to three things I believe God is wanting to do? How's God going to lead you to do those two things or to lead you to pray for two to three other things? How's he going to do that? Well, let's go ahead and read. We're going to start with verse 25 and I'm going to read to the end of the chapter. To whom will will you compare me, or who is my equal? Or as we sang sang in the song, who's my rival? Is there anyone who's even close to me in strength and power? To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created the heavens? He's talking about the stars and the planets and all of that. Who created all these? He brings... Out the starry host, one by one, and calls them each by name, just like Adam in Genesis two. Animals, one by one, God brought to him, and he he named them. God has. Do you know how many stars there are in the universe? There's trillions. God knows them all by name. I'm not sure about any of those names, but He has them named. You understand what He's saying? Here. Because of His great power and mighty wealth, not one mighty strength. Not one of them is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and complain, O Israel? Or why do you say, O church, and complain, O my Curtis? My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by God. Do you not know? Have you not heard the Lord? And it's his covenantal name here, Yahweh or Jehovah is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow weary, excuse me, he will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. And let me just say that some of us here this evening, you're living here in that sense of weariness right now. And you need some answers on how to move forward. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow weak, excuse me, even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, or that is those who wait upon, and that's what the literal Hebrew means. That's why the King James translates it that way. I think the NASB, the old version translated it, wait upon the Lord, or no, hope in the Lord, and now it translates it more literally. I might be mistaken with that, but it literally means to wait upon the Lord. But what does that even mean? The NIV translates it hope. I'm not going to disagree with that. It certainly means a lot more than that. But those who hope or those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Have you ever asked the question, God, don't you even see my plight, my dilemma, my problem, my trouble? Don't you see my finances? Or maybe you can't, because I can't either. You get the idea. Where are you? Can't you just make this Christian walk thing a little easier? I want you to consider, number one. It says here in verses 25 and 26, Excuse me, it says here in verse 28, I'm sorry, verse 28, he says, the Lord is the everlasting God. The Lord is the everlasting God. Why does he even bring this up? He talked about in verses 25 and 26 that he created all of this. He calls out the stars one by one, then he names them all. He wants us to see the power of God. Because sometimes we step back in our plight, in our misery, in our weariness, and we just say, God, I am so tired. Where are you? Are you not strong enough? And let me just say that there are many people. I was listening to one person who claims to be an evangelical. Like, I assure you, he's not. And he was saying, you know what, The, the Bible's just wrong. God is not almighty, because if he was almighty, then... He would lift the poor out of their plight. He would answer all prayers and give people what they really need, and that is to be lifted out of their problems. But obviously, God doesn't. Why? Because He's just not Almighty. I'm embarrassed by this man's assumptions of Scripture and clear teaching that God is Almighty. So He's not only Almighty, but understand He's everlasting. Now, you see, in a sense, Mike Curtis is everlasting in this sense. In this sense, I had a beginning, and by God's grace, I will now live forever. But this word everlasting truly means not just that he's going to keep living, but that Mike Curtis had no beginning. See, that would not be true. So I am not everlasting, as Scripture uses that. God, and God alone is everlasting. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He has no beginning and no end. I remember, I like to just interact with people who have questions about God, doubts about God, even atheists who are vehemently opposed to God. I like to talk to them and and in some way try to come across a, a bit off guard to them because I'm not going to respond to their anger with anger. I'm going to give them reasonable Answers, but I'm going to ask them questions too. Because that's where it really, they, they're asking me questions and, and I want to ask, ask them questions. But I, I know some, some would even ask, okay, so if, if God had no beginning, where did God come from? Who made God? See, that is the amazing thing that God has no beginning. God is from everlasting to ever. In other words, he's infinite. You get that? He's infinite. Now, in your problem, you wrote down two or three things that you're wanting to do, and obviously you didn't do them in 2022, maybe because you tried and just couldn't, so now it's on your docket to do for the year 2023. Okay? And and sometimes we just feel so... Inept sometimes we, we just think, "Well, why can't I do this?" And we feel so limited. The God that created all things has no limit not just no limit in his existence from everlasting to everlasting, but he's infinite in his entire being. He's infinite in his strength. he's infinite even in his compassion. And specifically, his compassion for you. He's, he's infinite. Now, that blows our mind. And the reason why it blows our mind is because, well, do you know what infinity is? And if you think you know what infinity is, I want—if you can raise your hand if you want to do this. But I'm going to say go, and I want you to start counting up to infinity, okay? And when you reach infinity, and I'm going to give you an infinite number of days to do that, by the way. It's not just for tonight. But once you reach infinity, I want you to let me know. Okay, any takers on that? You see, infinity is off our radar. We have no idea what infinity is. It's because once we think we've gotten there, it's at least one more and then another one. And then another. what's infinity plus infinity? Is there even such a thing? There is, but technically it's still infinity. You can't count that high. You can't think that way. So when we're thinking about God and I'm saying he's infinite, it's like, yeah, okay, it's truly beyond what I can fathom, and if I can fathom God, he's even more than that. If you can fathom what love is, he's even more than that. If you can fathom strength to just create everything, and you're like, ah, God's even more than that. I mean, he did that, but he's more than that. You know, people ask the silly question, can God lift a, can God, have, um, I'm sorry, um, can God, is, is there a rock that's too heavy for God to lift? Can he create a rock? If he's infinite in what he can create, can he create a rock that he just can't lift? That's a silly question. Because of course he can lift anything, it's physical. Again, God is so far beyond what we even understand of him. He's infinite. There's eight billion people in this world Last I checked, maybe it's already beyond eight billion, but eight billion, I mean, that's a lot. Can he be aware of every detail in a person's life? I mean, every detail? Can he really work all things out for our good and his glory? Or is it just some things? If he's infinite, he knows every detail better than you. There is nothing that is too tedious, too minute in detail for God. He sees everything, he knows everything, and he is concerned. And if you think you know what I mean by concerned, again, he's a little bit more than that. Number two, we see here it says that not only is the everlasting and he created everything, but he will not grow tired or weary. Can I just ask you, has a child ever wearied you? Wow, my mom, God bless her. She is having a joyous time in heaven because I no longer weary her. Man, did I get into so much trouble. So many fights on the playground. So many, come on church, I stuck my finger in a metal fan because I wanted to see if it would hurt. That's what I did, and I would just, I was always curious, and I, I wanted, what would happen if I put a cape on and I jumped off the roof of our house? What would happen? Well, I found out what would happen. I was a little scared, so I wimped out on that, and, you know, I, I, I didn't stand like, I, I crouched, crouched down like that and kind of just, it was only like 10, 12 feet high, so it was not a big deal, but I jumped off the roof. I, I wanted, my, I scared my mom to death. But she truly wanted us boys to be explorers. She had five boys, one girl. And man, did we weary her. I personally wearied her. Maybe you're thinking, "Hmm, you know what? This this past week, Pastor Mike, you don't know what I did. And it's like the 20th time I've done it. And I repent each time. And I am convinced I have wearied God. I'm convinced that I have blown it so many times, and I say, God, would you forgive me? He's just up there thinking, yeah, right. Again, are you serious? Get lost, punk. And maybe that's how you're feeling about God right now. It's just, I've wearied God. But he tells us here that he will not grow tired. He will not grow weary with you. With me, with the circumstances in our life, he won't grow weary of. He won't grow weary of you constantly coming to him and saying, "Come on, God, what's up with this? What's up with this in my life?" I kept praying about this. Why not? God is so, so patient with us. And that kind of stuff does not weary him. Isaiah kind of teasingly says to Israel about how they just have not prayed enough. He says, you haven't wearied God yet. And it's like, okay, that means I need to really press into God more. He's being facetious. God is immeasurably patient with you. And you if you think you understand what patience is, guess what, church? God is even more than that. I mean, hey, if he's patient with me, even when I was a squirrely little teenager, God can certainly be patient with you. God is so he's immeasurable, infinitely patient with us. He doesn't grow weary. And it says he gives strength, excuse me, it says his understanding no one can fathom. He understands all from the beginning to the end because he sees the big picture. He understands everything. He understands how these problems in your life are intertwining. And while you're wringing his hands, he's shaking. Yes, yes, here we go. Bringing him is exactly, bringing Mike Curtis exactly to that point of where I want him. And I know it's so hard, Mike, come on, hang in. But if you can press into me, God has something so good. Because he understands how everything intricately intertwines. So complicated, so logical, so amazingly beyond me, but not for God. And he sees it all. And when we're wringing our hands, God's doing just the opposite. He sees the big picture. And then it goes on, he says, he gives strength to the weary. You know what? Let me just say it this way. God's computer does not buffer. When you come to a with, to God with a question, so God, what's up with this? God doesn't have to say, "Oh, wait a second, Cole Cole Web, hang on a second, Cole Web." Webb. There's six million Cole Webs in my computer. Which one is this? Ah, man, okay, hang on a second. I got his description here. Mm, okay, he right, palmetto drop right. Okay, God, I know which one he is. Or he punches in Cole's web, Cole Web's name, and you know the little circle buffering. Come on, thinking, thinking. I mean, I think I fell asleep today just waiting for my computer as it's buffering. It's like, come on. God's computer doesn't do that. God's computer doesn't buffer. God doesn't step there saying, you stumped me on that one. God doesn't say, give me a moment. I need to figure this out. This is a really hard one. God doesn't think that way. Every problem you give to him is so simple. It feels hard. It feels impossible to you, doesn't it? You may be even saying, hey, God... Is my way hidden from you? My cause disregarded by you? What's up with this? You know what, Mike? It's not too complicated. I get it. I know the exact answer. And if you can trust me, I'm going to lead you. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about what does it mean for God to lead us? How does God lead us? Do we just say, okay, God, should I marry this person or not? oh my goodness, and Cain killed Abel. What? You know, God's not getting, I have yet to see God use that. I'm not saying that he can't, but you know what? So often, God lays out many ways for, for him to lead us. And we're gonna encourage you, and as people who believe in all of the gifts of the spirit being for today, like prophecy, many times we, we just, God, just give me a prophetic word and we're going to act on that prophetic. Is that is that a way that God uses? Does God do that? We need to investigate that because sometimes that's exactly how he's going to, and other times you just completely missed it. God has so many ways in which he's going to lead us. It says here is that even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But, so this is a contrast. Yeah, those that we expect to have strength, even they grow weary, even they get tired. Even Peter gets tired on the pickleball court, right? Pickleball, okay, yeah, on the pickleball court. And Diego has taken advantage of that. And I've heard some interesting stories. Peter's a young guy, but you know what? Even he gets tired. Peter, do you ever get tired? I know he does. Hey, those though, those of us that learn to wait upon the Lord. And I'm 61 years old. And I get tired so much easier than when I was in my teens and 20s but even I, it is 61, can have so much strength. And I'm going to need to look at what type of strength that is because it's not necessarily physical strength, though it might be. I want to read this passage to you. It's from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you're taking notes, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation. Now, I'm going to stop right there because some of you probably have committed this verse to memory. It's a great verse. If you don't have it committed to memory, I would encourage you to do that. It's a great verse. But just understand the Greek word for temptation is also the Greek word for test or trial. When we went through James chapter one, we discovered this. So even though it says temptation, understand that he's also talking about trials. Trials that test us. And in the midst of that testing, sometimes there's even temptation. Temptation to doubt God. Temptation to say, God, where are you? Temptation to be angry at God. So there's temptation in the midst of this testing. So in the Greek, they're the same word. So I'm reading temptation, but it's a bigger word than that. It includes trials and testings as well. So no temptation or testing or trial has seized you except what is common to man. The problem that you're going through right now didn't catch God by surprise. It's not the first time that someone in your situation has ever prayed about that kind of thing. Nothing under heaven is new to God. Your problem, and, and maybe it's not just a problem, but it's like 20 problems, it's not new to God. It doesn't catch him by, you know, his, his screen isn't buffering. Hang on a second, Mike. Wait a minute. God knows exactly the answer. And God, as we're seeking that answer, God has a journey for you to go on. And we're going to find a little bit of that journey here, but he has a journey that he's taking you on. Many times in our culture, we have a McDonald's culture, right? We go through the drive-through. And I know when I worked at McDonald's, like during the time of the dinosaurs, I was a teenager. And I was I a was counter help. And once that person gave me their order and I punched it in and I told them how much, I had 60 seconds to put it in front of them during a certain, like from 11 to 1. And then for dinner, I don't know what it was, 6 to 8 or 5 to 7, whenever it was. But I had 60 seconds. And going through the drive through there I forget what the time frame was there, but you had to do it like... Literally clockwork. Sometimes we carry that over to our Christianity. We expect God to do what we're asking him to do, like we're asking him, what we're, specifically God, this is what I am wanting you to do. God is not your errand boy. But then on the other hand, on the other extreme, oh, I don't want to bring that to the... I don't want to ask that. I mean, I've just asked for so many things. I don't want to... I actually heard someone say this. I don't want to ask God to heal this person because I don't want to twist God's arm. And this was a leader in a church, and I was so angry with him because he said it in public. And afterwards... As graciously as a young man of twenty-two years old could be, I challenged him and I just I said, I was confused by what you mean by that. Do can we really twist God's arm? You know what? These are two extremes we go to. You know, we're, we don't pray it because we're afraid we're going to twist his arm, or we do pray, it, we just expect And as we go through these next couple of weeks, I want you to take that word expectation and get rid of it. When it comes to prayer, I want us to use a different word, and it's the word anticipation. And we're going to draw out a difference between expectation and anticipation. And I think we're going to hit a nail on the head with regard to how we are now called to pray with anticipation as opposed to expectation. But not for tonight. This passage tells me, it says, there is no temptation or trial or testing that has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He's faithful to you, to you in your situation. God is faithful. He will not allow you or let you be tempted or tested or trialed, is that a word, beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. So sometimes God does not deliver us from our testings, but delivers us through them. But there's not a temptation that's uncommon. Number two, God is faithful. He has not abandoned you regardless of how you feel. Your feelings are really poor indicators of truth. You've heard me say that before. So don't be led by your emotions. Use emotions as an ally, and there's a way to do that, and even in these situations to do that. But I'm not gonna listen to my emotions and just say, wow, I feel rejected, therefore, I guess God has really rejected me, because that's how I feel. God is faithful, church. And it says here, he is not going to allow you to be tested, to be tempted, to be in trial that's more than what you can bear. I want to ask you, do you believe that? I'm going to be honest with you. There have been times in which I said, God, this is too hard. You ever say that? God, this is just too hard. God, where are you in this situation? It's beyond me. I can't do this. There's a problem, and I can't fix it. I've tried 10 times, literally, God, 10 times to fix this problem, and I can't do it. What am I supposed to do? This is beyond me. And as we go through this, waiting upon the Lord, we're going to find ourselves referring to those times when we have been there. It's beyond me. What's God's answer in that situation? Because truly, that is how we feel. But the Bible says that it's not. It's not beyond you. Allow me to maybe insert a little bit more of what Paul is saying here. It might be beyond you. But as you press into God, it is not beyond you. What do I mean by that? See, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul says, my grace is enough for you. Do you know know what grace is? You've heard me say this before, so I'm going to repeat it so we all get it, but grace, grace isn't just God's forgiveness. Grace isn't just salvation. Salvation is an example of his grace, but grace is everything that God has that Mike Curtis does not, but desperately needs. Okay? Yeah, amen, because Mike Curtis doesn't have a lot, and he has to constantly look to God. But guess what? It's not just me, church. It's you too, all right? You come to, it's everything that God has that Sharon Webb does not have, or Juliana Curtis does not have, but he does. And we desperately need. That's God's grace. It might be strength. I mean, literal, physical strength. It might be wisdom or knowledge that you just, at the present, you don't have. And he's going to give it to you. He's going to give you that knowledge or that wisdom. How do I do this, God? It might be an answer to a problem. It might be the direction to lead you. He is not going to allow you to endure more or go through more than what you can endure. And when God's grace steps in in those crucial moments, I'm going to guarantee you that those are the times in which you as a child of God will grow the most, the most in those situations. I have, I have never grown the most by my successes. Not ever. Don't get me wrong. I love the successes. I I, I do. I wish I could just camp out for all of eternity. And maybe one day I will. Maybe not in my success. You know what I mean. But you know what? In, in the midst of difficulties and trials and failures and me needing God's grace, those are the times in which I grow the most. God is faithful, church. And then it goes on and it says here, it says, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. Here are a few things that you can be wait, you might be waiting upon the Lord for decisions. It might be a decision about marriage, it might be a decision about job possibility, advancement, promotion. Is it worth the sacrifice? It might be about a move. So many things concerning decisions. It might be what you're to say. I just spoke with the gentleman. He has been working, he's a Christian, he's been working at Parks Lincoln of Longwood for four years. He's been self-employed all of his life, except these four years. And now he's about to move into an, to another opportunity, and it would be self-employment. He's looking forward to it. But he's had an impact on the people there. And he, he, he said, you know what, I, I want to know, because he was telling me he had two more days, Thursday and then yesterday, Friday. And if they throw something for him and they ask him, hey, just just share something, which I guess at Parks and kind of along with, they, they do that. He said, I just want to know exactly what to share. I've got a few ideas. And so I prayed for him. I told him I would be. But in those situations, he needed to know what to say because it would be the last time in which he would be speaking publicly to them. And what's one, one thing that I could say that I could leave them with? And God showed him, I believe, what to say. We might need to wait upon the Lord how to avoid or get out of trouble or move forward or wisdom. There's so many things that we need need to wait upon the Lord for. Here, the context, though, is just feeling weary. That this problem is not just something I've been praying about a little, but I've prayed about it so much I'm weary. And you're weary because you prayed about it so much and God has not caused the problem to cease. He hasn't given you the wisdom at this this point to know what the next step is. And you're weary. What wearies us? It could be difficulties that do not seem to end. And they're just over and over where it's a sadness that settles in our soul and it just doesn't seem to lift, and we're just weary. I believe God has an answer for that. Problems that we try to fix but can't. Physical ailments that we have prayed over and over for that don't go away. God promises that if we wait upon the Lord, whatever this is going to mean, He will give us strength. It says that we'll mount up on wings as eagles, and that doesn't necessarily mean. As we're, what does it mean to mount up on wings? Does that mean we're going to, like an eagle, we're going to be able to look down and have the proper perspective? I don't. Though that's a great idea, and I love the illusion of that or the the picture of that. That isn't his point here. Neither is his point that we rise above our problem whatever that might mean exactly, doesn't mean that we rise above our problem as if our problem is nothing. It means that you will have strength. Have you ever seen any videos of bald eagles, for example, picking up a creature? I've seen them pick up sheep and carry them. I've seen them pick up antelope. And, and it's very difficult, and they generally are on cliffs, so that kind of, they just have to, but they'll start sinking because those antelope are really heavy. Generally, they, they pick up maybe only a little bit more than their weight. So if they pick up something too big, like an elephant, there it goes, sorry, buddy. Not going to be able to carry that one. They are, but they're strong, and their talons are long and sharp. When a, an eagle rises up on his wings, six to eight feet, my wings, my arm span is six feet, add another foot in both directions and that's how long their wings are up to that length. And of course, they're a whole lot thicker than my arms. I mean, their, their wings are just huge. And as they flap those wings, they can rise up so high. In the air, they look so tiny, but when they come down, and you're face-to-face with them, they're huge with an eight-foot wingspan. When they rise up that high, it's nothing for them. They are the most powerful birds, as I understand, eagles. And they can carry the most. They have strong, they can rise the highest. The challenge here is, right now, are you feeling that weariness? Because God is bringing you to that point in your life where you learn, it's like habit, that you rush into him, regardless of how you feel, regardless of the emotions, regardless of how maybe you feel rejected or abandoned by God, and you're, you just, your perspective is all messed up, and there's just so much hurt, and it's like, I can't see clearly, and as you press into God, because you just feel so weary, the promise is he's going to give you strength to rise up. He's going to lead you to know what to do. He's going to give you the strength so you just don't throw in the towel and say, God, I give up on you. You will never encounter a trial that's too hard for God to fix for you. And by fix, I don't mean just take it away. It may mean that this trial you're going through is so crucial in your life, to form in you something that nothing else can, nothing else can. But what God is forming in you is so precious, so beautiful. And how even in the hardest trials, you just yield to Him. And I, I tell you, I the people in this life, Christians in this life, who have gone through the most, and when they come through, they're just one after the other, and they do it in this way, waiting upon the Lord and all that that means, that we'll look at this over the next couple of weeks. They're the most beautiful people. They're the most compassionate. They're not bitter at God. You would expect them to be bitter, but they're not. They're such forgiving people. They have such faith. Not that God is just going to deliver them from every single trouble or heal them of every single sickness. but rather that they can trust God to see them through. It may not be the most comfortable journey, but it is going to be the most rewarding because God is purposely allowing you to go through this and he's not wringing his hands. He's like, yes, this is so hard, but hang in there. And God, as he gives us that grace, everything he has, I don't, but desperately need Whatever that is, whatever measure of grace, whatever that grace looks like, when that grace is given to me, I have enough strength to accomplish everything that God wants me to. Not most things, not a lot of things, everything that God wants me to. God wants me to be a good husband. He wants me to be a good dad. He wants me to be a good businessman. He wants me to be a good pastor and a good friend, a good grandpa. And there are times in which I don't have that strength. I don't have that ability. But see, God does. And as I press into him, I am able and you are able to mount up on wings like eagles. Carrying anyone strong to rise high and not fall. That is what God promises you. So my wife and I, we prayed for a month. As I said, some 15 years ago. And we fasted, and nothing happened during that month. But let me tell you, my waiting upon the Lord included this. There are 60 dealerships, car dealerships, in Metro Orlando, at least back then. And I went to every. And at least the ones that I didn't have. I needed at least, our goal was two or three accounts, not one of them at that time. I did realize, now that I think about it, there were a few that I couldn't get. When that month was done, within like a week or two, the piece the people that had said no, three of them, called me back and said, Mike, we want you to do something. Something's happening with that Over the next couple of weeks, this happened. I want you we want to try new. And God opened to do And he gave me the attempt. Not during my month of fasting and praying. It was after. And God answered that prayer. Can I just tell you that because of the COVID problems, car dealerships, and then specifically the one that I service, and, and right now I just do one. That's all I have to do. The, the manager has done a great job helping them survive during this time, and they're But they don't do nearly the volume, and that has affected them. And we are praying, God, can you please increase? Can you do something? And for whatever reason, God has seen fit to not do but he is met all our enemies. All of our He gives us our daily bread. Now, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, when I'm at Regent University, I'm training to be a pastor, but I have a lawn business, and we take three days with our church to pastor. Prayer. And the finances there are like squeaky, squeaky tight. And we have dropped the line. God, we're digging into our savings. And we're at a point now where our savings is really small. We cannot move on without the savings. And for three days, we fasted and prayed. Nothing happened. For us. After the three days, it was like the very next. I got a call from an apartment complex. I'd never done an apartment complex, except the Regent University. That that would be considered an apartment complex, I guess. But This was an apartment complex that was just different. I didn't have favor there like I did at Regent, and they opened the doors a week or more ago. I had three weeks, whatever it was, I'd given them a, a contract if they're interested. Call me, sign, etc., and they called me in. Shortly after that, and I did not ask for this account at all, no door knocking, no sales, but Regent University, their world outreach center, needed to get a load of this. They needed someone to cut their parking lot because after 8 a.m., cars hang their bumpers over it and you can't cut it, so they needed someone to get there by 6 and be done by 8. And so I said, I can do that. I'm not sure how many employees will be willing to do it with me, but we're gonna do that. And so every seven to ten, whatever it was, that opened up for remember. You, you know, waiting upon the Lord does not mean we step back and we just twitch in place. There are gonna be times in which you need to make a decision and you're gonna to wanna to be impetuous and you're gonna just whatever you really want to do, that's what you're gonna do. And God just says, No. In those times truly wait. Be passive. Don't do it. Pray, but don't do it. Don't move forward. Wait. There are other times in which when you're waiting upon the Lord, you're working harder than you've ever worked for God has this amazing plan laid out for us. This journey of life So many times we just say, God, may this life be done. I can hardly wait to be with you like forever and ever. No more problems. Any people wish that before? Come on. Yes, like God. But he has us in the crucible. He has us in these hard times for a reason. And he just delights when his people press into him. When they're willing to just say, God, I know I'm angry and I'm just releasing that. And I'm just calling it out to you. So delights in that broken heart. God so delights in that turning to Him to say, "God, I can't. But I believe You can." For the twentieth, He delights, you. and for Him, then in His way to come through and do something so marvelous. And it, for me, so many times, I would say it's in the minority. That God does it the way But I'm going to tell you this that it is his way so. Sometimes I don't see that in height. But God has something so good. And his promise here is so clear. If we're asking God, my way, is it hidden from you? Do you even see the are you disregarding my life and the, the cause in my life? He says this way to play. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you so much grace that you need in your life situation right here, right now. Can you trust And in our weariness, He's waiting for us to say yes. The simple as that, yielded. Going to close with this. Jesus said this. Matthew eleven. Come to me, all oh, you who are weary and burdened or heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. The my yoke is easy, and my burden is not. I'm not going to give into that passage to you know that. But Can you just stand here and I'm going to pray for you. That as you're moving into the year 2023, and you've got these questions, these prayers, these goals that you want to accomplish, you just lift them up to the Lord tonight and lean on His grace. As we go through this, as we go through the year 2023, to see what God has his and his Father, our hearts are yielded to you. I ask you, Lord, that you would not just direct us and show us, but in this journey, create something Forms something immeasurably valuable in our hearts, in our lives. Because, God, the ultimate goal is to truly reflect Jesus and please you and impact as many people as possible. And with what you're forming in us, God, Jesus himself, that you're forming, his character that you're forming in us, allow that impacted life. We lift up these sheets to you and, and all of these goals and things that we're going to be pressing into you for. We just lift them up. God, do them in a way that maximizes your life and advances the cause of your kingdom in you. Jesus